You might, uh, you might be familiar with the verse that's up here behind me, right? You heard this one before? <laughs> this is probably one of the most, if not the most, famous verses in the Bible. I mean, people hold this up on cards in, uh, at sporting events, and, and athletes put it on their eye black and, and on their uniforms sometimes and on their socks. And, and so we, we, we've heard this, voice, uh, th- this verse before, and maybe so much that we sort of miss what it's talking about. Now, I know it's Christmas time. In fact, it's just the Sunday before Christmas, and this might not be a verse that you would automatically go to for Christmas, but isn't John 3.16 all about Christmas? Doesn't this sum up the why of Christmas? We have talked about hope. We've talked about joy. We've talked about prophecy. We've talked about all these things that lead to Christmas, but here's the why. This is the why of Christmas. And so we're going to talk about God's love today. Now, you're going to hear me say it more than once, so I'm just going to start it out right here. You are the target, focus, and purpose of the love of God. He came because you and I needed him to come. That's why. That's the first Christmas. You're the why of that first Christmas. You're the why of John 3.16. So we're going to see that as we work our way through these verses this morning. So if you want to read along with me in your own Bibles, John 3.16 and 17. It is up here behind me already. So, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So let's, uh, let's talk about this verse as we have been all year. Let's work, look first at context. The overall context is the Gospel of John. Now I've said this many times for, as we've hit verses in the Gospel of John. It's my favorite of the Gospels. Now part of that is because it retells the Exodus story so many ways. It shows Jesus as the new Moses leading the new Exodus to the new promised land. And it just continually does that. And since you know I'm a fan of the Exodus, the Gospel of John just keeps retelling the Exodus. And so that's probably why it's my favorite Gospel. So um, many scholars, uh, many commentators have, have talked about the Gospel of John. One has said, and I think it's entirely true, he said it, that the Gospel of John is shallow enough to bathe an elephant and deep enough to drown an elephant. You can, you can bathe an infant or drown an elephant in the book of John. And I think he's right. I, I think there's so much there if we just dive in. Now, the immediate context here is also important because in the immediate context, he's talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and, and this is the conversation that they have at the beginning of chapter 3 that Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so that's the context of this. Now, Nicodemus himself is an interesting study. If you ever want to kind of track Nicodemus through the gospel of, of John, he comes to Jesus in the dark of night here. He doesn't want to be seen, doesn't want, to be, doesn't want anybody to know that he came and talked to Jesus about this. And, and Jesus tells him he, needs, he, ha, he must be born again. 
And then we don't see Nicodemus again until like the end of chapter 7 when the Sanhedrin are all standing around, the ruling council are all standing around and saying, we're plotting to, to seize and kill Jesus. And it's Nicodemus that says, well, wait, in, in our system, we, he has to have a trial first. We can't just seize him and kill him. And then we don't see Nicodemus again until John chapter 19. And in chapter 19, Nicodemus is with Joseph of Arimathea. And he's going to, and, and goes to Pilate and asks for the body of Jesus, to take the body of Jesus off the cross and put it in Joseph's tomb. So Nicodemus is, an, is interesting because he comes to Jesus where nobody really can see him do it. And then he starts to defend Jesus and at the end helps put Jesus in the tomb. Nicodemus, over the course of watching the, the ministry of Jesus, becomes a believer, I, believe, uh, I think. He becomes a believer in what Jesus is doing. So, <clears throat> so again, the, the immediate context, their first conversation is in John chapter 3, and, and Jesus tells him that he must be born again. And, and of course, Nicodemus has no idea what he's talking about. He, he, he's, he's saying, uh, how, how can a man be, enter his, his mother's womb again and be born again? And, and so Jesus talks about spiritual birth, and he talks about physical birth, and then he says this. He says, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the, the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. He, gives, he, he tells Nicodemus these verses. And so let's, let's look at what this says about God. Well, the first thing we can easily see that it says about God is that God loves you. Now, I know you've heard that before. You've heard that not only in my voice, you've heard that in many different voices. You've heard that God loves you, but do you realize, do we hear it so often that it just doesn't mean anything anymore? Do you realize what that means? God loves you. You are the reason for the first Christmas. He loves you so much, he took action on that love and sent his son. You are the reason, for the, the target focus and purpose of the love of God. You are the target focus and purpose of Christmas. We talk about Christmas being all about Christ. It is, in a sense, but it is also about you. Because Jesus did not need to come if it wasn't to save us. There was no need for Jesus to leave heaven except to save us. And so it tells us God loves us and it says that God took action on that love. We know the love of God. Now, it's interesting to think about the love of God because frankly, there are times we don't feel it. But this love of God, it's not a feeling, it's not an emotion. It is the basis of God's action toward you. Jesus came because God loves you. God extends grace because God loves you. We have hope because God loves you. Everything is based, really, on the love of God and the action that God has taken to show us that love. Now, it also tells us that eternal life 
belongs to Jesus. Jesus is the deciding factor in eternal life. It says it there in the verse, those who believe, receive. Those who do not believe, do not receive. Jesus is the, is the, the, the answer to the question, do you believe, is the difference between eternal life and no eternal life. You know, during his ministry, Jesus asked his disciples, he asked the, the, them a, a profound question. He says, who do you say that I am? The answer to that question is the difference between eternal life and no eternal life. Who is Jesus? Eternal life belongs to him. And so he gives it when we believe in him. Eternal life belongs to Jesus. It also tells us that Jesus is the one and only Son of God. There are other faith systems that say that's not true. That's what this says. In fact, the Greek is very emphatic about this one and only being or only begotten in, in the old King James. The Greek is very uh, specific about this being one of a kind, only one of its type, Nothing like it before, nothing like it after. Jesus is the only, one and only, Son of God. And it says that Jesus came to save everyone who will believe. Do you believe in everyone? Do you believe the word everyone? Because we can have kind of a sense that, that Jesus came to save folks like us. No, he came to save folks like you and all those that aren't like you that will believe in him. You don't have to look like us. You don't have to dress like us. You don't have to talk like us. You just need to believe. He came to, to, to save everyone who will believe in him. So what, what this says about us, you are the target, focus, and purpose of the love of God. You know, if you don't remember anything else I've said for all of this Christmas season or for, the, or for that matter, all of this year, let it be this. Let it be this that you take away from this year of preaching this uh, sermon series. You are the target, focus, and purpose of the love of God. You are the target, focus, and purpose of that first Christmas Jesus did not, was not born so that sin could go to heaven. He was born to pay your price so you could. You are the target, focus, and purpose of that first Christmas. And we have eternal life in Jesus. Eternal life. As soon as we place our faith, we trust. Substitute the word trust there. As soon as we trust Jesus came for us, we have eternal life. And that eternal life, as you go deeper into the book of John, eternal life begins at the moment of rebirth. We talked a little bit last week with Joy about rebirth. This, is, again, is in the context of being born again. When you are born again spiritually, by trusting Jesus, you are infused with, with a whole new you, a you that has never been before, a you that is, that is driven by the Spirit of Christ 
And it says that we are not condemned in Jesus. We are saved in Jesus. This is important because our society, and, and it can sneak into our way of thinking, that our society would say that, that the whole Jesus thing is, is judgmental. This says it's not judgmental, it's love. Jesus came to save you, not to condemn you. The plain fact is, we are already condemned. We were condemned at birth because we are born at, we are born with a spirit so bent towards sin that sin was inevitable. And each of us have chosen to sin. Each of us have chosen to do the wrong thing. But this says Jesus didn't come for that. He came to give you life. He came to save you. We were already condemned. And he saved us from condemnation. So what do we need to do? Well, it should be, should be easy to see from here. We need to believe. We need to believe that Jesus came for us. We need to believe the, the, the Jesus of the Bible, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died a substitutionary death, is risen and reigning today. That Jesus. We trust that Jesus. He came for you. He came to pay our price. So let's look at this kind of phrase by phrase. God loved the world in this way. I want to point out to you that this isn't about our love for God. It doesn't say we loved God so much that he did something. It says God loves us so much that he did something. He proved it. That first Christmas, the cross, the resurrection, all of that proves God loves us. Now, I say this often, but, it, but, but I think that's incredibly good news because we don't always feel love for God, but he always feels love for you. Always, every day, every day of your life. Your life has been, has been engineered by the love of God. God loves the world this way. It's about his love for us, not our love for him. That he gave his one and only son. And again, this, the Greek is very specific here. This is, this is the words for one and only, one of his kind, only one ever. There will, be not, there will not be another like him. There has not been another like him before him. Jesus and Jesus alone. There is no other. His one and only son. So that everyone who believes in him, everyone means everyone. Again, there are faith systems that want to qualify this. And they want to put qualifiers on who the everyone is. The only qualifier in this entire verse is whether or not you believe it's on the what. It's not on the who. Everyone means everyone. They don't have to look like us. They don't have to talk like us. They don't have to dress like us. Everyone who believes in Jesus has eternal life and is saved from condemnation. That's what the verse tells us. And I, and I also want to point out here 
Because this says, everyone who believes in him will not perish. Do you notice that it doesn't say everyone who believes in him and does all this other stuff? Or gives up all this other stuff? Everybody who believes in him but quits doing this. Everyone who believes in him but starts doing all this other stuff. The verse doesn't say. It says, believe and receive. Believe in him and have eternal life and be saved from condemnation. It's as simple as that. We complicate it with a lot of other stuff. We add stuff we have to do or stuff we got to stop doing. But the verse doesn't have it. The verse says, believe and receive eternal life and be saved by con- from condemnation. Will not perish, but have eternal life. I'll remind you, this is Jesus speaking in the context of being born again. We are born again to this new life, this eternal life. It begins at birth. It begins at your new birth in Christ. Eternal life begins. Jesus, in John 17, he, he defines what eternal life is. He says, this is eternal life, that, you, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Knowing God through Christ is eternal life. It begins it. So as soon as we place our faith, we place our trust, we believe in Jesus We have eternal life. It starts. We have a new life that begins in us right then. This is the whole gospel, isn't it? This this verse is the whole gospel. It's it's the, the why of Christmas. We don't think of this verse as a Christmas verse. We always jump to Luke 2 or Matthew 2. We're looking for the for the for all the stories of the baby in the manger. This is the why. This is why. There was a baby in the manger. This is why Jesus came in the first place. This is why Jesus had to come. Because you and I needed him to. You and I were living lives apart from God. We have have a nature so bent towards sin that sin is inevitable. And we choose to sin. We choose to do things wrong. We know what God says, and we do the wrong thing anyway. We needed a Savior. We needed someone to save us. We needed Jesus. We needed the first Christmas. We needed that infant born and laid in a manger. We needed the sinless life. We needed the substitutionary death. We needed him to rise on the third day and reign. We needed him because there was no other way. God gave us exactly what we needed on that first Christmas. Exactly what we needed. So what's the comfort and challenge of this verse or these verses? You are the target, focus, and purpose of the love of God. You are the target, focus, and purpose of that first Christmas. You have eternal life in Jesus And it's all about his love for you, not your love for him. It's all about how much, how far he's come to show you how much he loves you. It's all about God's love. 
But the challenge is not to add to this. The challenge is not to add our stuff onto here. That, that, it's, that God loves us so much that if we believe in him and we, we put an and right there, that doesn't exist. There's no and. It is believe, receive. Believe in Jesus. Receive eternal life. Be saved from condemnation. That's what Christmas is about. That's the real story of Christmas, isn't it? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you know that that first Christmas was really all about you? You can this morning. You can take a step of faith toward Christ this morning. You can believe and receive in a simple prayer. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads for just a moment. And I'm going to ask the question that Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Who do you say Jesus is? If you know him as your Lord and Savior, amen. If you do not, you can this morning. It's a prayer. First, we just acknowledge that we have sin in our lives. God, I, I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus came for me. That that first Christmas was to save me. So I ask you to, to, to forgive me because of the finished work of Jesus. And I ask you to come into my life and give me this eternal life. Save me from my condemnation and give me this eternal life. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, let somebody know. Come and let me know. Let one of our deacons know. Elbow your neighbor and let them know that Christmas was born in you today. If you know Christ this morning, will you spend just a moment thinking about how Christ came as a baby in a manger to save you. Father, we thank you for this verse. We thank you for the power that we see in it. We thank you for Christmas. We recognize that that first Christmas was for us. And we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This is Pastor Jim from Porter Mountain Fellowship. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. These are sermons from our 10.30 a.m. service on Sundays. If you're in the neighborhood, stop by. We're on the corner of Porter Mountain Road and Commerce Drive in beautiful Lakeside, Arizona.